Hey listeners, this is Alyssa from The Grind Podcast and you're listening to episode 12 where we interview the amazing Cartrez Tucker. This man has an amazing career and not only that, he is an entrepreneur. Yes, entrepreneur. <laughs> he has created this Instagram over the quarantine period called Black Boy Plant Joy where he combines two passions of musical theater and plants so go check that out right after this and enjoy hi everyone hi hello this is grind podcast with gabby Alyssa, and our special guest guest introduce yourself hey i'm cartrez hey. mr tucker mr tucker <laughs> aka okay. AKA Black Boy Plant Joy, AKA Cartrez, AKA the CEO of Singing Above the Staff, period. Amen. <laughs> Literally, period. <laughs> Yay, we're so excited to have Cartrez on our podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. Cartrez, I've been this a fan of yours exciting. ever since I saw you in Tarzan at White Plains Performing Arts Center like seven years ago. Something like that, like five. It wasn't seven. Maybe actually, like five don't, I don't six. know. What is time? We don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Cartrez, let's start from the beginning. Obviously, I know you, but I'm excited to learn more about you. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? What do you well, want I'm, to do? What are you? What kind of artist are you? All those things. Well, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been in New York City for 10 years. What do I do? I'm a, I'm a theater performer and a, and a plant dad and, a, um, you know, a person living in this Twilight Zone episode called COVID. So much fun. Um, yeah, that's about it, honey. I have like 80 plus plants, one plus personality, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I'm so excited to dive in. Okay, Let's so do it. Can you tell us a little bit, let's start from life before the pandemic. So before the big C word COVID happened, what were you doing? What were you working on? Tell us all of those things. Well, before, before, uh, you know, the world ended, I was on tour with the color purple. I was doing the national tour of color purple and yeah. And then all of a sudden the world stopped. We were in Florida living my best life on a beach, you know, eating crabs, drinking whiskeys. And then they were like, Broadway shut down. And I was like, oh, that's not gonna affect me. I'm not even in New York City. I'm living it up on a beach, bitch. <laughs> Fast forward, they were like, you're going home. <laughs> we're taking you home, flights are booked. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was doing beforehand. Real. So, like, tell us about how quarantine's been for you. Like, how have you uh, dealt with it? Uh, well, quarantine's been uh, fine. <laughs> quarantine's been fine. You know, I, I like to say that, like, I'm, I'm thriving and surviving and bored, like, all at the exact same time. Um, well, I, I, I end up getting, like, 80 plants in during quarantine. Um, Lots of bougie plants, some would say, if you're like a plant person. Um, and I, I curated like this whole plant Instagram account that's really popular, that's been very, very uh, popping. So if you don't follow me, follow me if you listen in Black Boy Plant Joy. Um, yeah, I did like, I was featured in Voice of Plants magazine. 
I'd had like an interview with Repeller, like this online publication. Um, and I was also, I had a write up in Shondaland, like Shondaland's online um, magazine. <laughs> So this is all happening during COVID, which is like, oh, this is great. Like, but like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> so this is kind of though, like what we talk about in the grind, because I'm all about, I mean, our main focus of this podcast was theater, whatever. But like, we're really looking at, especially now, like our life outside of theater. So is this kind of like something you always wanted to do and you just finally had the chance to like go full force into it? Oh, absolutely. The fuck not. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, so here's the thing like I've always liked plants I've always enjoyed plants I grew up with plants like it's always been like a sort of like a something that I've always appreciated I was gonna I wasn't it's not been like a passion theater is my passion like I'm obsessed with theater Gabby knows like I'm obsessed with theater I'm obsessed with the, the art form of theater I'm obsessed with acting I'm, I'm obsessed with musical theater performers but this is just something that like sort of just just snowballed and it really has helped me cope with like, oh, there's there's no theater happening right now. You're unemployed. There are no jobs. There are no performing, like theater performing opportunities right now. Um, so like tending to my plants and like watering them and watching them grow and like buying plants has definitely helped me cope with the fact that I can't and I can't do what I, I'm passionate about doing right now. So it's just like one passion is on pause and it just like made way for another passion. And it's something that I really love right now. So what was made it go from just something to try out to like literally your focus now and a passion of yours? When did you fall in well, love with plants? Well, I, I, well, I've always loved plants since I was a kid. But, you know, I've this is what my 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 third national tour so like i'm always knock on wood i'm always i've always been fortunate enough to be working right so i'm always on the road so i've never really had time to like get plants to take care of plants so i was like oh since we had all this downtime and like at the beginning none of us thought it would be this long right we thought it would be like a month maybe two months and then they're saying like it's gonna be next year um so it went from getting like you know two extra plants and I was like, oh, well, I really like that plant that I saw, so I get one of those. Then I was like, oh, I like that plant and I get one of those. And now it's like, I have this plant Instagram that someone was like, oh, you should do because like you have a pretty decent personality. Um, <laughs> you have a pretty decent persona. Um, and yeah, then it just like, I was joining every every Facebook plant group I could find and just snowballing into like doing, uh, buying common plants, common house plants into getting like uncommon house plants or like rare house plants. So it, it sort of happened in a span of maybe a month from going from like maybe 20 plants to 40 plants to 60 plants to 80 plants. No, so, that's yeah. amazing. Everyone should check out. Shout out your Instagram name again so everyone can follow uh, it. Yeah, it's called Black Boy Plant Joy. So I, I say I have 60 plus plants and 100 plus personality because you follow for the plants, but you stay for the shenanigans. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like he's singing. He does like little bits. Like <laughs> it's really unique. It makes it like I've been into plants. But now I'm like, oh, now I kind of want to plant. I mean, I'm going to take care of it. This is something that I never thought because you 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 wouldn't imagine like how many people have come to me and been like, 
I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but I'm, I was thoroughly entertained watching you talk about these things. And that's at the end of the day, that's something when I, cause now I make videos for my Instagram. Um, that, that's something I wanted to, I, sh I wanted to bring because most of, most of my friends are theater people, right? They're like, honey, what the fuck is a, a pothos plant? Is that, is that a Sondheim song? Like, what is that? You know, like did Jason Robert Brown write that? You know, so it was, it was about like, okay, if I was a regular, regular, schmegular person, what would be entertaining to me if I knew nothing about plants? You know, and that's what I've, that's been like my tunnel into like plantertainment <laughs> in a way. You know. It's those transferable skills. You know, we have like as theater people, I feel like we can do anything. We can make anything entertaining. Um, I've been telling Gabby, like I'm into like mantra music and like, I don't know, it's basically meditation, but you're bringing in my singing. Like I love singing. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um, I love yeah. That. I just found out she has the uh, Instagram page for that. She never told oh, me. Oh, what is that called? I literally just found that out like a week ago. I said, okay, girl, you weren't going to tell me? Cool. We talk every day. I put day, every a day. song <laughs> on it. It's a song. And I haven't put anything else. And I got all these followers. I don't know. It's like all people I know and some that I don't. And I, there's a lot of pressure. Okay, so tell me if you can feel me on your Instagram journey with your plants, right? Like the first post, you're like, let's go, let's do it. And then you... I just can't find another post that I feel is as perfect. And I'm in this like rut with it all. So, okay. So here's the thing. I, I am, I haven't posted anything in uh, six days. Tomorrow will be a week. Um, because to me, it was starting to feel like um, a job and not something that like was bringing me joy, you know? So I was like, let me just pause and let, let me reassess. Like if I want to take a picture with some plants, I'll take some pictures or not. Um, but exactly, like it, it started off as, as me just like, just schmutzing around with plants, like a couple selfies, you know, I would make my boyfriend be like standing in the corner and be like, take pictures of me, you know? Just very fun, just very stupid, just very silly. And then, then it becomes when you get more followers and you start to start to um, have um, an aesthetic and a theme and and, and um, a, a look, people have started to have expectations. And I think that's what starts to that's what starts to kill the joy for it. You know, like, oh, I have to live up to this expectation. I have to do what these people are expecting me to do. And but and then I realized at the end of the day, like, at the end of the day, like this is not a job. You know, posting on Instagram is not a job yet. Like, yeah, it's brought me some coins, but like it's not paying, it's not buying me a house, bitch. It's not really giving me a career. So my thing is like until until it's becoming like monetarily like my thing. It'll, I try to make it a, like a joy. So if, if, if I'm not moved, you know, to take a picture with a, with a plant or take a picture with some plants or film a video, I don't do it. Mm. And I find that people follow me regardless. I haven't posted anything in a week and I've, I've gained over a hundred followers. So I have a serious question about this too, because I watch Social Dilemma, right? And I was going through this thing where I'm going to get off social media. How are you balancing being like this Instagram presence with your Instagram and um, you're like, you love it, but not getting like too drowned into that 
whole? Like, how do you balance your Instagram time? I, that's my struggle. <laughs> I, I think, seriously. honestly, I honestly think you have to, I think you have to know yourself as a person, you know, because I, I, I'm, a, I would like to think that at one point in time, I was not very self-aware and I was just like very, like very highly emotional and just like, Ooh, everything will weigh me down, weigh me down. Now I'm what, 20, I just turned 29. Um, I'm more self-aware and I know that, Hey, if this is something that's going to be, um, is going to serve like a negative impact, I can remove myself from it. You know, when when everything happened with the whole Black Lives Matter at the and like George Floyd at the beginning of the summer, I completely removed myself from social media. Like I was like, I gotta get off because it was too much every single day. You know, mm-hmm. and I never felt pressured to get back on. Like even now, like I haven't posted anything in a week. I don't feel any pressure to post things. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I only have what almost six thousand followers, and not like someone who who has like you know two hundred thousand followers who probably feels much more pressure. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, w- one more question on this too. So, how uh, how do you make some money off of that? Like, how did that? I don't know how any of this works. So you said Honestly, you bring in some, yeah. Some so what happens is like you, I posted a lot, quite a bit. Um, and it's mostly like plants and personality. So people normally approach me, um, because I'm also very knowledgeable because I'm not the type of person just like tiptoe my way into things. Like I deep dive. So when I, I can't have musical theater as my obsession now, then I have to have plants as an obsession. So I become very knowledgeable. So people have come to me about plant consulting. I've done, um, a couple plant panels, um, people I've also done, you know, been in sort of magazines and like these things, but these things manifest, they come to me. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't go out and reach for them. I don't go out and find them. Mm, mm. This is interesting. I just think this is so cool to talk about because there's been so much talk about like parallel careers and especially right now people are trying to find things out. So like, let's go back to theater now. Um, You, do you think that when things start kicking up again do you think this plant instagram might be a little bit on the back burner or do you think you're always going to carry that with you i i i've had this conversation with myself and i honestly at this moment in time i have no idea i don't know the thing is like these i i have nearly 100 plants so at the end of the day like i have to you know cope with that and that's something i have to deal with um but I would love to like, cause that's, that's also been my thing is like, how can I integrate them both seamlessly into like my life, mm. you know? Um, and that's something I'm still working on. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea. So I, have I, know, no, I, I honestly, I, that's fair. Like who knows anything really? I don't, I, I've, I've spent nights thinking about it. Like how, if theater were to come back tomorrow, like what would happen to my plants? Like if I have a job in Denver, like I'm going to have to take my job in Denver. You know, mm-hmm. but the cool thing though, the sorry, sorry to cut you off. The the cool thing though is if you're traveling, right? Like I don't know, I feel like this could keep going. You could be like, I'm traveling with a tour, and I found this cool thing that's like native to Florida, or I found this cool thing. Right. I could, mm, I see big things. Period. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, if I would, I think if this if this plant thing continues to steamroll and spiral. 
I would have to learn, I would have to figure out how to combine both of these things. But until then, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but at the moment. Yeah. yeah, at the moment, this is it. I'm in my apartment. I'm, I just water my plants. So this is it. This is it. <laughs> I, I water my plants. It's like, I want to say that to myself. Like, that's like self-care. I don't but, know. No, I, I, but the thing is, like, I was also trying to explain to someone that, like, me tending to my plants is a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. This is my form of self-care. Me, you know... Uh, you know, putting them in new pots or like watering them or spraying, misting them or, or, you know, cutting off old leaves. These are not only am I helping them, but I'm also helping myself. Yes, I'm watering them, but I'm also watering cartridge. Yeah. It's like a meditational kind of experience, kind of practice for yourself. It's sort of like a symbiotic relationship. Like they need me. And at the moment, I really do need them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's go back, back to even theater. So Let's start from the beginning, because I know you have this amazing career and you're always working. When did you know that you wanted to pursue theater? Well, I didn't. So um, I, I didn't start theater until like my junior year of high school, which is like pretty, pretty late in the game for most people who I know who've done theater. It was like, I've done theater since I was a little baby. You know, that was never like my thing. I started theater my junior year. I was dating a girl. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Past life. I was dating a girl who's a uh, who's a fabulous rapper, by the way. Her name is Rocky Snyder. Check out her stuff. Um, but yeah, she she caught me singing in in a chorus room because I joined uh, I joined the drama class to get like an extra credit. I wanted to go to school for medicine, and I just joined drama because I needed like you know something look great on a transcript. Like I'm very well rounded. And it was something that like sort of, she called me singing and she was like, wow, you have a great voice. And I was like, girl, stop. And then next thing you know, like everyone else was like, wow, you can sing. And I was like, when the fuck did this happen? Like, how did I go from like singing in like the privacy of my bedroom or in my car to like doing like leads in 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 school musicals how did I go from like making fun legitimately making fun of people at school assemblies as we were watching plays to being a person in those school assemblies doing those plays so that happened my junior year and then it just sort of just it snowballed from there because I told you what I'm very obsessive so when I get into something like I get in deep that's probably why you were so successful in high school. I was totally, I wasn't a Rachel Berry, like, but there was pressure. Like I always sang since I was little, this is like what I do. I want to be the lead and I won't you like come Rachel through, Berry. but maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> the first sign when you know you're Rachel Berry is when you deny being Rachel Berry. Right. Um, uh, but that's probably why you were so successful because you were like so you know, those people that come into things later and they're just like, they don't have that pressure and they're just allowing themselves to go there. Very, very cavalier. I was very cavalier, very nonchalant about the whole thing. And the thing is like, to this day, I am, I've been in New York City for 10 years and I've worked for as long as I've been here. Uh, To this day, it always surprises me when I book a job. All that happened, like you think I'm talented, like you really want, like, are you sure like, you sure you, that was a mistake, bitch. Like, that must have been a mistake. <laughs> like, even to this day, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it's something so bizarre. Like, 
I've always been very nonchalant, very cavalier about about the the whole thing. I cannot relate at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I'm curious because I actually don't know this answer. What made you decide? Because for listeners, me and Karches, well, we technically met in college, but we met after college. But we went to the same college. We were there at the same yes. time, not in the same class, but around the same time. So what made you decide to go to AMDA? But so I was supposed, oh, so I was supposed to go to medical school. I was looking at med schools. And then the girl I was dating was like, I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to audition for AMDA. And I was like, you know what? I can do that too. So like, I just auditioned on a whim and I got, I got in, obviously. I got like a really fat scholarship and I was just like, do I want to have, do I want to go to med school and be in school until I'm 30? Or do I want to do this four-year, two-year BFA, you know, thing? I was like, and be in New York City. So I was like, I'll do that instead. And, and the, yeah, that's sort of how it happened. <laughs> and AMDA was literally the only, the only school, musical theater school out this year. Which in retrospect, if anyone's listening, like, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Audition for multiple schools. Audition for multiple schools. Because I, because here's also the thing is like, I never thought I was that talented. I was just like, oh, this is something that I just do that's fun for me. You know? So I was like, oh yeah, if I get in, I get in. If I get in, I get in. If I don't, I don't. Are you still kind of like, well, you said you were still kind of carry that even now when you audition, you're kind of... I mean, the pressure is lesser than me, I'm feeling, and I want some of that. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, like, I, here's the thing, like, I, I'm, I am very cavalier, and I would tell anybody that, like, Cartrez loves auditioning. Like, I love auditioning. Because my thing is, like, I love to sing, I love to perform. And like, how, and, like, how often in New York City, in your everyday life, do you get to perform? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're in New York City, you're an actor, you're probably working three or four jobs, you're tired, you're going from classes, you're doing uh, acting classes, dance classes, you know, you're babysitting, or you're waiting a table, or you're doing this, or you're doing that. For me, it's like, when I was not at my survival job, auditioning was the only time that I got to perform. I got to, my, my book was filled with songs that I wanted to sing. Mm. So how often in, in your New York City life did that happen for you? Probably very few times, only when you were auditioning. So I loved auditioning. I loved it. The thing is, like, I, I even had an audition once where someone was like, wow, you're really laid back. I was like, oh, am I not supposed to be like, am I, is, is this supposed to be like a high pressure situation? Mm-hmm. Like, bitch, I thought we were singing, bitch. I didn't know we were doing brain surgery. Like, please make it, cl- please make it clear what we came here to do, mama. <laughs> because I am confusion. Like, some, some got lost in translation. <laughs> I did not book that job, but, <laughs> but yeah, to, to me, like auditioning is like my only time in New York City where I'm performing. Mm. Period. I love that. And like part of our podcast is about like the grind, but also about like the negative part of the grind and the mentality. So I love that mindset. Like that is really how we all should think about it. It's our opportunity to perform because you never know, like you're blessed enough to be working all the time. Some people don't work, 
do they work once a year? So that right. I think listeners is such a good way to think about it. Like it's your time to perform. So mm-hmm. speaking of performing, I'm curious. So for those of you who don't know Carches and haven't heard him sing, look him up. But he's known for his range. He has a crazy very, high very range. Much so. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. That's who all people want to hear. How did you develop that? See, so this like, is what happened. How did that come to be so strong in like your signature? I have, I, I honestly could not tell you. Um, so what happened was, I, I'm from the south. You have to go back, back. I'm from the south, so everyone in the south speaks down here, right? Everyone's like slow, and if you hear me talk now, it's very much up here. It's very resonating. Um, so when I went to theater school, like my voice is still down here. I would talk down here and they were like, oh, obviously you're baritone. So I got trained as a baritone. I got baritone repertoire. And then my, my voice teacher at the time, I am the Christian Fletcher. I love this man with all my heart and all my soul. He was like, maybe you're a tenor. I was like, what are you talking about? So then all, all of a sudden, like. And also, I will also say that singing is not only physical, but it is mental as well. So once I got past, like, I came out and I got past a couple mental barriers, mental cages, once I unlocked those mental cages, I found that ranges of my voice also became unlocked, which is really bizarre to say out loud, but I, that legitimately what happened. I felt like once I became freer, my voice became freer. And then all this other stuff sort of opened up. And then he basically taught me how to finesse it and how to make it consistent and how to make it healthy. So that's sort of, and now every show I've been in, everything I've been in since then has always had me singing above the staff no matter what no I couldn't no matter what I've only been I've only been in one show that I did not have to sing above the staff and that was Raising Raising the Musical that's so interesting though that really is your signature when I think of you I think of high like crazy Uh, high singing like I'm like why does he sing higher than I do like that's what I think about when I think of you And, and when I booked Color Purple, I was like, oh, like, thank God, like, no man sings high in this show. Like, whatever. They're like, all right, Cartrez, we, uh, there's a solo here. So they did, they did a range test at the very first day, of, like, the second day of rehearsal. And obviously, they were like, oh, you're the high, you're, you're the man here who sings the highest. And I was like, okay. And there was this one line, there's one solo line that no, if you listen to the cast recording, it's in the opening, that no one, you will never hear it. Never. And they were like, okay, Cartridge, you sing it. And I was like, cool. So it goes from, if any of y'all play music and y'all sing, I hear it in the podcast world. It goes from, uh, yeah, which is a C to an E. So I, I fully go, I am fully alphabet in one moment and then that's it. And I never thought that like that would happen in that show because I fully thought, oh, this is a show that I won't have to sing high. Psych. I played myself. I played myself. And here's the thing. People in the show were like, some, some people in the show thought it was a woman until we staged the show. They were like, wait, Cartridge, Car- you've been singing that this whole time? And I was like, yeah, I've been singing that. They were like, I fully thought that was one of the church ladies. It was fully the fuck me, bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Oh my God. That's oh, awesome. That's amazing. That's so funny. 
Yeah, I mean, Very it's funny. really impressive, y'all. You really need to look that up because it's it's definitely a skill. So going back to auditioning, can you tell us one of like your best audition stories? It could be the best one you've had or the worst one you've had or a funny one. Um, I'll give you, so the, I'll give you the best one, um, was, uh, so when, in my book, I sing, um, cause I sing high, I sing high. I sing Be uh, Billy Porter's version of Beauty School Dropout from Greece. <clears throat> and I sing it for like this, uh, off-Broadway, um, this off-Broadway musical. I'm not going to name the name. Um, and it was for these very popular, like contemporary writers. And knowing me, like I just, I go into, I just don't care. So I was like, oh yeah, it's for such and such. Like I don't, it's fine. And and um, I sang Beauty School Dropout, and I literally did a standing ovation at the end of the song. Behind the table, the writer goes. <laughs> so yes, I booked that, but did I take it? I did not. I did not take that job. <laughs> but I did book it. I did book it. Did not take it. <laughs> So you've said that you've been booked for most of your career. What is a memory you have of like a booking? So have you had like a favorite show you've done or a favorite production or a favorite experience of finding out you were booked? Yeah, I would say like my, uh, when I first got out of um, AMDA. So I, I went to AMDA and I, I did very well at AMDA and I was very well liked at AMDA. And I was told over and over, oh, Cartridge, you're gonna work a lot. You're gonna work a lot. You're gonna work a lot. This is what they told me verbatim. I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. It's like, I will be working as soon as I get out of here. So I graduated and like I auditioned for all these things as you do when you first get out of school, like you wanna hit the ground running. So you literally audition for everything. And you know, I would like to say people who are listening, if you're young, work smarter, not harder. Only audition for the things that you are right for because it will in increase your chances of being booked and you will save a lot of energy. So I, I auditioned for everything, everything in the whole world. And I think like four months in, I was just like, I was like, wow, like maybe I'm not talented. Maybe I was lied to. Maybe this is not something that I'm cut out to do. This is maybe not for me. I think uh, at that time I had auditioned for the Dream Girls National Tour and got a couple callbacks and didn't book it. And then after that, I auditioned for I auditioned for the National Tour, the Revival of Hair. And I was like, I'm perfect for this show. Like I loved hair since I was in high school. Like I was like, I'm perfect. They're gonna book me, bitch. So I do the thing, what I do, I go into the room, I sing my song, which was a ballad, which is in retrospect, like young Cartridge, like, wow, girl, you really thought you were gonna book hair off of a ballad, bitch, like, really? Uh, I sing my ballad and they go, thank you. And I was heartbroken. Mm. Uh, didn't get a callback, did nothing. But in my heart of hearts, I was like, you are perfect for this show. Like you have to book this show. So the next day or the next couple days they were having a dance call for hair. And I was like, bitch, don't nobody dance in hair. I'm gonna go to that. So I ended up going to the dance call, getting a call back from the dance call, getting asked to sing again. I sing up-tempo song. I sang Superstition by Stevie Wonder and they loved it. Ended up getting a couple other callbacks and I end up booking it for, I, I think, I think, um, Two months went by after my final callback for hair 
And I was on the phone with my mom, just like distraught. Like, I was, cause it was summer. So it was in the summer. So nothing's happening. If you haven't been booked by the summer bitch, you're not gonna be booked, period. I was on the phone with my mom, like literally sobbing, like this is maybe I, maybe I just come back home. Uh, this is maybe this is not something that I'm good for, you know, maybe I'm just not right for this. This is not my moment. This is not for me. <clears throat> and she was like, okay, if that's something you feel like you, you need to do, come home, come home, reset, re, 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 you know, recalibrate, figure out what you, what you want your next move to be. And I was like, okay. So the literally after the next day, after me having this very dramatic phone call with my mom, Sabrina, I get the phone call that I book hair. It was like very like auspicious. Like you couldn't have written a better story. Literally the day before I was like sobbing, like I need to get out of New York City, this is not for me. And literally the very next day they were like, hey, uh, you booked hair, you're gonna be in the national tour of hair. And that was four months out of AMDA. And I was, and in retrospect, I think like, wow, Cartridge, what an idiot. Also, I feel as though that, that, I think that sparks another conversation that conservatories, if you go to a, you go to a theater school or conservatory, please set your kids up for reality. No matter how talented, no matter how talented you are, there, there, there are exceptions to the rule. And Gabby, we know people who, who are exceptions to the rule who graduate and go on Broadway. We know who they are, but that's 1%. That's very much so 1%. The 99% will be grind grinding, period. And I think they should prepare you mentally for the grind. You know, I think they should stop filling kids up just because you pay your tuition. You know, you need to hit kids with reality. Like you, there, there's a possibility that you won't work for X amount of months. And you know what? That's okay. Because I think in retrospect, like me, like the audacity, the gumption for me to even think like, oh, I've been in New York City for four months. Why have I not, why, why? Why, have I, why haven't I booked? I'm good, I'm talented, I'm pretty. Why? Yes, 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 you yes, know? agreed. The audacity. Now in retrospect, I can say, wow, young Cartres, girl, your head was big, period. <laughs> You know, so I think that would, that would be the audition story, you know. And the, but you know, life is a journey and we're all learning and these are things that you have to learn to make you a better person today. They say youth is wasted on the young honey and they are correct. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's so interesting. I never had that either. And then I just went through a whole period where I'm like, I'm the worst. Cause nobody ever tells you like you're in high school, they have a limited pool. Of course, if you have some talent, you're gonna get the lead and you just think, mm -hmm. oh, it goes like this. Of course, reality steps in, but that's why we have like, our generation is growing up. Like Gabby has her own school that she's, and, and you are taking the reins and putting this into the next generations to come. And hopefully we can, Help that out a little bit because it's real. I get that. It is real. I and I think uh, I think Gabby, you would know. I I feel like I cartridge get a rap for being mean. People would like to think that I'm mean, but I would like to think that like I am. I am probably the most honest person you'll meet because I'll tell you like it is, but there'll be no malice or opinion behind it. I'm like this I is agree. just. This... I definitely agree. <laughs> 
This is, I'm, I will tell you cut and dry, this is what it is. With no opinion, with no malice, I mean you no harm. But I think because so many of us who do theater, who, who are artists, are so used to being coddled. You know, we're used to being coddled, being, being told that you're so talented, you're so great, your voice is so amazing. Yes, your voice is amazing. Yes, you're great, but you are flat. You know, I think, yeah, like these are things that tools that I think conservatories or need to teach kids or you will be hit in the face of real life, with reality. Because you will, re you will get a director who will tell you your shit and you need to know how to handle that. So that's one reason I became a teacher because I feel like you have to lead them with love, but you also want to set them up. I agree with you. I felt like I was blindsided when I went into it because I was, when I graduated, I was 19. So I still mm -hmm. was a teenager. I had no idea. And it wasn't right. until now, like recently that I'm like, okay. Yeah. I think it's important. I think it's, if we have, if uh, you, if you're going to go into education, especially in the arts, you have to lead with love, but also be, you have to be honest. Like you have to be honest with your kids because they're gonna get out in this world and be lost. You will be lost. Lost with no pedal, with no rope, with no lifeboat because I'm here to tell you that most people in this industry don't give a fuck about you. And that's the reality. Most of these people don't give a fuck about you. People only want what they can take from you. And I think that you have to have someone who who, who loves you, yes, but also can give you the, the reality and the foundation to step upon. So when you get out in this real world, you're not blindsided by the atrocities of humans. Yeah, that's a lesson that I personally never got. And then we will also need to like throw in to our boxes the fact that we are like, I'm Latina, right? And that's another thing that they don't talk about. I mean, come on, it's like, I remember when I was, you know, coming out of going yes, into the yes. real world of auditioning, it was in the Heights. And that was all I could see in my future. That was all I could see. Now it's also you're adding Hamilton. And for a while, I mean, they never talked about that. I, it's so bizarre because I, I think it's more, I think the conversation is being had now in the, in the, in the past three to four years you know, about race and about race in theater and race in the arts and how that plays a part because it, it is important. It is important. Like, yes, if you are a person of color, you, your, your, your repertoire is very, you know, it's very succinct compared to someone who's Caucasian. You know, the, the, the shows you can be in are very few and far between. Like, not every show is Hamilton. And honestly, not every director or producer wants to do shows that are colorblind. Yes, like now I feel as though we're going in that direction where we're doing color conscious casting. Um, but that's not always the case. And I was just talking to my boyfriend yesterday. We were watching clips from Women on the Verge, which is set in Madrid, Spain. And the whole cast, this is in 2010, are, are white. Everyone's white except for Brian Stokes Mitchell and Justin Guarini. And I said, today, like that, that, would, that would never happen. That would just never fly. Because I think people like to think that like, oh, this whole movement has been happening, you know, many, many moons ago. But I'm like, in reality, it's just happened in the past five years, I would say, maybe. People are starting to like wake up and realize that, oh, we are all playing into the patriarchy. Wow, we, this internal racism that we have right now is really playing a part in our everyday lives and our careers. You know, and that was in 2010. 
Yeah, we talk about this a lot, me and Gabby, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a conversation that's like even hard for me to even talk about, and the fact that we're still talking about that, all that crap. I know. Um, I actually just want to go back to something that you said about your book. We have like a lot of young listeners and how you said you love everything in your book. I went to college yes. one semester and they were introducing me to, I sang my Lord and Master and like all these songs that I was too young to know. Like, I would it. never sing like that. I can't play that part. Like, hello. So yeah, yeah. Getting a book that you freaking love so you actually feel like every audition is a performance. I mean, hello. That's like so simple, but like, yeah. I love it. These are these are things that honestly, these are things I had to learn out for my learn for myself. You know. Also, most conservatories put you in a box. I I the thing is like I loved my time at AMDA. I know AMDA gets such a shit rap, but I, I love the tools that I were I was given. I call AMDA the puppy mill of musical theater schools because if you apply yourself and do the shit you're supposed to do, you will get things out of it. And I loved every moment. But what most conservatories do, they will put you in a box, period. Because what their whole job is to get you to work. They don't give a fuck about if you know who you are. They're like, this is what the industry wants you to be. And if you work, that's more money for us. We can put you on a poster. We can put you in our brochure to get more kids here. And that's all they care about. Um, so I think, yes, like, here's also the thing <clears throat> about auditioning. Auditioning is your performance. And I would like to say that if you, Alyssa, a Latinx woman, if you sang my Lord and Master and it was the best thing you could sing and it sounded absolutely motherfucking splendid in your voice and your 16 bar was perfect. You can sing it for a golden age show. I don't see any way, I don't see any reason why not. I sing, I literally, I'm a black person, I, clearly black. I sing all my golden, all my golden age stuff is from, from white shows. I, this is also the thing, this is why I think for people of color, because our repertoire is already so small, that I think we, we as people of color have a little bit more um, leverage in that area. Because my thing is like, how, you're, you're, you're a Latin woman. What Latin Golden Age show do you know? The closest thing I can think is if I were to sing I Feel Pretty or something from West Side Story is the closest of that genre of something. But other than that, there's nothing. Absolutely yeah. goddamn nothing. Like as a black person who who also, yes, I sing high, but I also sing, I have a pretty decent legit voice. I'm like, say. Um what what else am I gonna sing? What else? What what do I have to pick from? What's a golden age black show? I couldn't tell you. Porgy and Bess? There's only so many songs for Porgy and Bess a person can sing. Mm. You know? <laughs> I do love your like devil's at. I've never heard of it. Ugh, I've never heard of it put that way where colleges are trying to get you to work. I had this like horrible view on all of it, but that's a great perspective. They're trying to get you to work. It's not always like we're trying to strip you. They're, to get you to work. This is the industry as it is. I, I like that view. That's the whole thing. They're trying to, especially conservatories as a whole. And people have to have to 
have to realize that these are colleges are financial institutions. They run because you pay them. You can't you can't expect your college or your conservatory to to pander to your your sensitivities because they're not. That's not their thing. They want your money, especially conservatories. They want you to work. They will put you in a box. They will give you limited limited uh, repertoire because they know this is what works for you. This is what works for your type. This is what works for your voice. And if you work, we work. And if we work, we can get more people to come to our school. And that's what it is. That's what it is. I think I think people have to stop wanting schools to be their their. I don't know. Like they, they should stop wanting schools to apply to their, their sensitivities because they're not, because they're not built to do so. You should find professors or teachers to do that. Maybe you'll, you'll, maybe you'll luck out and have a teacher who really gets you. And I think, I think any of us can say that in our school time, we've, we've had teachers who actually got us, you know, there's always one. <laughs> yeah. Like I think of one specific teacher, like for me, it was Philip George um who I had who was just a great teacher for me at AMDA and then I had another teacher um who was rougher on me but they taught me a lot too by being rough on me (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah I mean it's so true it's exactly what you're saying it's a business at the end of the day it's a business they're not your therapist they're not here to appeal to your sensibilities or your sensitivities that's not what they're going to do so if you're expecting your school to do that, you're going to always consistently be let down in some way, shape, or form. Period. Period. <laughs> and also, I also think that's another topic of like, quit trying to find happiness in other things. Like I, you know, that's also what helps you as an artist as well, especially in New York City. Like, yeah, like you will probably not work a lot. And that happens, like that's fine, that's the journey. But you also have to find other things outside of the arts that make you happy and fill you up. That's exactly why I just loved beginning with all of this, with you talking about your your plants right now. I just love that. That's like me with my mantra music. That's like, um, and that's kind of exactly the point of this podcast is like, living as like a whole person refilling your well and not expecting mm-hmm. everyone to constantly validate you right constantly yeah constantly because it's, it's not gonna happen i mean maybe if you get yourself a man who loves you unconditionally bitch who will fill you up like that but nine times out of ten no one's gonna do that but you're if you're lucky your man or your mama or your dad yeah period well thank you cartridge for coming on you drop so many gems tell us your plant instagram again just so like we can make sure you get followers <laughs> it's black boy plant joy period mm. on the instagram period <laughs> <laughs> any last words from you cartrez uh vote make sure you vote maybe this will go out before or after people vote vote uh there's a right person and there's a wrong person vote for the right person mm-hmm Amen. Any last words, Alyssa? I'm going to say vote. Just vote. That's that's it. You, Gabby? Vote. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Um, did we mention vote? Yeah, vote. And do yourself a favor and please start following Cartrez's Instagram, Black Boy Plant Joy. 
And like we were saying, the Broadway, the theater, all the things are going to come back. So why not plant and water those little seeds of passions that you have and make an Instagram about it. Spread the love, spread the plant joy. See you next week. Bye.